Good evening. Welcome to two guys who happen to be pastors. I am Pastor Glenn Davis, joined as always by my trusty colleague and the guy who does all the work on this program, Pastor Matt Heath. And uh, tonight we have a very special episode for you. We're going to have a few laughs, maybe share a cry or two, and uh, of course we're going to badmouth the Indiana Hoosiers. So I hope you're on board. And uh, I'm going to start off with uh, Purdue Ponderings. So um, I want to tell you, in light of the Christmas season, because part of my message today was not losing or returning the light of Christmas. Right, yes. Um. I'm going to tell you another Christmas story as far as Purdue goes. So, um, I have a niece. Her name is Madison. She'll be 13 on January the 12th. Mm-hmm. She is about six feet tall. She's utterly gorgeous. Yes, you heard right. 12 years old, six feet tall. She's playing volleyball with some purpose. Um, she has been molded. You see, my brother didn't go to school. He's not a big college sports fan. He does love the Bears, I think simply because they're the Bears and he's an alpha male. Oh, yeah, then there you go. Um, for Christmas, he asked for a throw blanket with a wolf on it, which oh. I obliged him. So, <laughs> Available at all your fine uh, flea market retail outlets. Hey, Dollar General, 16 bucks. Hey, you can't beat that now. No, it's warm and oh, nice. Ooh. So, um, she doesn't have a lot of horses in, in the race. You know, she's not betting on anybody. We'll leave it to my beloved bride, Lauren Elizabeth, who came along about a year after Madison was born. I don't her longer than that, but in an official capacity. And Lauren has accomplished a few things with Madison. One, Madison won't drink Pepsi, which mm-hmm. is a Lauren thing. Yeah. She has to be a Coke. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't have Coke, she will drink water or leave. Oh, wow. We've, we've seen both. Mm. Um. Lauren has also convinced her that science is cool, though she's going a little different than Lauren. Lauren's an oncology. Madison likes geology. Oh. She asked for a box of rocks for Christmas, and she's been identifying them and writing about the features of such. Hmm. And perhaps the most proud, proudest moment of all with Lauren is the fact that she has taught Madison to hate the Indiana Hoosiers All with right. an utter passion. There we go now. Um, when Madison was five or six years old, she came to our house for her first Christmas with us, and we were making Christmas cookies. Now, I've got to tell you, the first year, year and a half of Madison's life, I lived in California. So I didn't know Madison that well mm-hmm. for a couple of years. Um, but they were making Christmas cookies, and... Madison said, Uncle Glenn, or excuse me, she didn't have that deep voice yet. Uncle Glenn, <laughs> we've uh, got this tray of cookies just for you. And so I went in there and there were um, Indiana Hoosier football helmets with cracks and blood coming out oh, of them. Wow. And um, I believe uh, she even did some pretty complex color mixing and made it look as if um, a Purdue uh, helmet was pooing on an IU helmet. That takes skill. I, it was impressive. <laughs> and my most favorite was spelled out with heart sprinkles. She had spelled out with red heart sprinkles on a white background. IU sucks. <laughs> said, what do you think of my cookies? I said, they're delightful. And I have a feeling Aunt Lauren is super proud. 
<laughs> and Aunt Lauren was looking in the refrigerator for something, trying to hide the fact that she had just utter tears of joy <laughs> streaming down her cheeks. So, um, let it be known that environment over genetics is a real thing. And that uh, my beloved angel, little Madison, uh, just absolutely loves Coca-Cola and despises the Indiana Hoosiers. So, um, Merry Christmas to everyone out there from the heart. Um, as I reminisce about my baby girl turning 13, I just... Mm, mm. I have no idea what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do. Um, I feel utterly useless at certain points in her life. Though the fact that I am a teacher and I can help her with her math stuff gets me in the door sometimes. I'll get you some bonus points right there. And the fact that she knows Uncle Glenn doesn't say no very often. She she likes to... But she's never asked me for anything crazy either. Well, then you can't beat that. Some people would consider traveling the globe and things is crazy, but um, she'll have a nicer car than me here in about three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it honestly, it does bring joy to me that we've influenced her that way because, you know, Madison's dad was adopted and Madison's had a tough road to hoe. There's some broken relationships around her. And I said from the first moment she called me when she was five and personally asked me to come and get her and protect her from a bad situation, I swore that I would never say no Mm -hmm. to coming for that baby when she needed me. And I think I've lived up to that. And by golly, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that, (laughs) that... that that has occurred. So uh, I'll, I'll be honest, Glenn. I mean, the first time, first time I ever met Madison, actually, the only time I've met Madison, was the night your car had blow, the motor had blown up in your car, it was getting worked on. We had to go up and get your your barn, one of your mom and dad's cars. And Madison, it was what was it, ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night when we got up there. I I walk in, I see her there and everything. I thought she was like fifteen, sixteen years old 17 even i mean she legit did look like a high schooler you know well kyle Kyle matured my brother kyle matured very quickly and it wasn't that much of a surprise when when madison did too and um you know we're we're grateful that we've had we've got to have the times with her that we have and you know I, I, I still believe in my heart of hearts that someday she'll make a good cousin. Mm-hmm. And um, she'll show them the ropes and a bunch of crap they don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, we've come a long way from uh, you know walking through Disney World, teaching her how to kick, scratch, and claw, just in case. Yeah. To now where if she laid it on you, she could legitimately hurt you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's... it's uh, it's a real pleasure, but um, you know, I've I've not had a big family. I, I mean, my grandparents between them have like sixty-seven grandchildren. Oh man! Um, between the two families, but we just haven't been associated with a lot of them. And yeah, Madison's our family, so you know, she's Davis through and through, and. 
Yeah, well, she's got she's got a kind heart, but boy, she's a hurricane. And um, I feel bad for whatever boy, girl, whatever she decides she she wants to be around. Boy, howdy! Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I'll I'll be there. Madison's future uh, love interest. I'll be there to pick up the pieces with you. Don't worry. <laughs> so, but. It still it still gets me sometimes that um, she'll say, you know, she said things in the past like, well, is Aunt Lauren going to be there? And I'll say, no, darling, she has to work. And she'll go, oh, good, just Uncle Glenn and Maddie Day. Oh, so she still gets me. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, hug your loved ones. Spoil, spoil your nieces and nephews. And for heaven's sakes, whip your kids. No, I, I don't. I don't want to get too crazy with that. But uh, spoil the ones you can spoil. How about that? So um, Matt's uh, got his hat here. I believe that's a Beck seat hat. It is. Yes, Beck's hybrids actually. And he's gonna fix to take it off to uh, some uh, lovely gals from the Great Badger State. Here, let's hear about this. Well, I'll tell you what, Glenn. You always do this to me every once in a while. You go off script, and I and I was a I was gonna talk about this gal. I was very and I she does deserve a hats off, but I do believe this young man right here deserves it even more. Improvisation. I, mean, I am rubbing off on. I mean, you. I'm off the cuff now. I mean, just you off the watch cuff. Better doing the whole show without a script. Oh man, that that just makes me itchy all over. You know. Been looking up, it'll be three and a half hours. But like, yeah, we can fit it in. Yeah, you know. But this come. This was an article I saw today, and it. At first, I didn't understand. I didn't understand it, but I read it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's awesome." The headline reads: A 91-year-old man who works out in bib overalls named Member of the Month at an Alabama gym. Mm-hmm. So this there's this 91-year-old man, and apparently he goes and works out at his local Planet Fitness, by the looks of it, um, or Anytime Fitness, I guess what it is, in Sims, Alabama. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I'm not from the great state of Alabama. I don't think you are. I think you got it. Um... But apparently he goes out and does and works out every day in bib overalls and a collared plaid shirt. And he's 91 years old. So first off, there's a lot, there's a lot of things at play here for me. Let's start off with his age. 91 and still going to the gym. That's impressive. I know there's a lot of always jokes about, you know, you know the mall walkers and all this stuff and... You know, you see older people still trying to be physically active and fit and all these things. and But to see him still going to the gym, and I read the article further. I mean, he, excuse me, he like lifts weights, you know, small, not the, you know, weight, you know, the bar or anything. But just a little, you know, cute little dumbbells and everything. <clears throat> And is staying physically active. Now, you draw a line right there, and that's pretty awesome. It's the commitment to the fashion that he does it in. Glenn, you've known me for a good while now. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen me outside of a pair of blue jeans, boots, and a button-down shirt or a hoodie in the cold weather? <coughs> the answer to that question is no, my friends. 
And this guy, legit, and I mean, I don't know if you've ever worn bib overalls. I wear them from time to time. I don't really wear them as much as I used to because, well, let's face it, with my body type, I look more like Junior Samples from uh, the old Hee Haw show, if you I remember say, that. They don't flatter me. They, they don't, no. I mean, I'm thinking more like a, uh, you know, Happy Humphrey from the old WWWF. Oh, that's going way. 600 that, pounds. Oh, I mean, just, you know, solid mass of something. That I, it one was, working punch, the belly button. That, I mean, that, I mean, it wasn't muscle he was made of. It was something. It was mama's chicken, I guess. But bib overalls are probably some of the most comfortable things you'll ever put on, especially after they've been washed and broke in pretty good. But they're still kind of, they can be kind of constricting if you're trying to do something. It just feels like you have a blanket wrapped around you, a canvas blanket <coughs> all the time. I mean, you don't have to worry about pulling your pants up all the time. No. Nope. That is a benefit. But this guy here is, he is actually, and he is the oldest member of this gym. And apparently he's inspired others to continue to do. Apparently they have started to get a lot more older clientele to come in and start working out, as well as younger clientele uh, to come in and start, you know, if he can do it, why can't I? So this guy's name is Lloyd Black. Lloyd, I don't know if this will ever reach you, but if it reaches your grandkids or great-grandkids, he wouldn't have great-great-grandkids yet, I don't think, at 91. He, well, yeah, he would, yeah. If you guys are out there, or if you know Lloyd Black, personally, let him know that there's a guy here in Indiana who is, t taking his, is tipping his hat to you, sir. For letting people know that even though you are 91 and still wearing bibbed overalls, you can still get in a good exercise routine. I mean, I guess that's kind of one of those classic what's your excuse kind of things, you know? It's like old people when they run a 5K. Well, I, you know, he was 76. Why can't you do it? Um, well, I don't really like to run, to be honest, to be honest with you. I'm kind of a bird to run. I mean, you know. So that is my hats off to you, good sir, Mr. Lloyd Black of Sims, Alabama. And now we move on to the stuff on Glenn's shelf. As we have mentioned several times, we record this episode, these episodes in the office of Pastor Glenn Davis at Willow Branch United Methodist Church in Willow Branch, Indiana. Beautiful downtown scenery. And oh, yeah. in his... Uh, in his office, he has acquired several different items throughout his many years in ministry and world travels, and each week we're going to look at the reason why it's on his shelf. These items can range anywhere from nativity scenes and uh, a little miniature Ark of the Covenant model to Al Bundy, of all people. Uh, I mentioned that because that was I was actually pretty pleased when I gave that to him as a as a birthday gift. That is right there. So uh, this week we are going to look at the David Rock. Glenn, explain why you have a rock on your on your on your. I was going for a dramatic part right there. Mm -hmm. Glenn and I were talking about this and said, you know, I should have been radio. And immediately I start second-guessing myself because I'm thinking, no, because I mess up too many times. So, Glenn, tell us about The Rock. 
Well, that particular rock holds a special place in my heart. So to cut through all of the drama here, I have a rock on my shelf that is from the Valley of Elah. If you don't know where the Valley of Elah is from, it is not in Missouri. But it, was, it is not in Tennessee. Well, then I'm out. It is the valley in the Shefela, which is the foothills of the mountains in Israel. And the Valley of Elah is where David killed Goliath. Oh, my. Where they gathered the Philistines and the Hebrews to fight it out. And we were up on a hill overlooking it. I have a picture of this in my, my book here of my travels. And it's a fascinating thing. They draw the diagrams and they show you how each army approached and different battles that have been fought there. But the most famous one was where David killed Goliath. So I'd already made up on my mind. Because they said David got a stone from the, from the creek bed. That I was going to find the creek bed and I was going to get a stone. Well, once we got down off the big hill, the Shephelah is literally Hebrew for foothills. I saw the creek bed and I said, that is cool. Mm -hmm. And I went down and found a very round, smooth-sided rock. It was fairly heavy. You pick it up, you figure you whack somebody in the noggin with that, they're I'll be seeing colors for a while. That's all, that's all I'm saying. And I put it in my pocket and I said, I just found the coolest thing I've ever found in my life. A rock, smooth and round, mm -hmm. from the creek bed of the Valley of Elah, just like David did when he killed Goliath. And we were preparing to leave and the new day starts at sunset. That's a different way Israel works. It does not begin and end at midnight. It begins and ends at sundown. <coughs> their days. There was evening, there was morning, the first day. That's how they do things there. Oh, wow. So the parks close at sundown. Mm -hmm. So Valley of Allah is a national park. So we're preparing to leave and get back on the bus. And I told somebody, I said, check this out. And it was a perfect rock. And a couple guys were like, Dang, dude, that's perfect. You look, That looks just like what's described, and you could really hurt somebody with that. And I said, I know, isn't it cool? And as we're leaving, we heard beeps, familiar beeps, beeps that you hear every day around here. Mm -hmm. It's the beeps of a backing up truck. And we watched a truck from the Israeli Travel Authority dump a huge load of round stones <laughs> right in the creek bed. <laughs> Oh. So, ladies and gentlemen, I do not believe that I have the rock that David killed Goliath <laughs> with. In fact, I don't believe I have a rock from anywhere near the time. No. I believe I have a rock from circa 2007, <laughs> cut from a limestone quarry near the Shephelah in Israel. It's a cool story. Completely ruined. Oh, that. But if I'd have not seen that, oh yeah, I mean you, I'd have thought yeah. it was a lot cooler. But you know, and they tell you they tell you stories there. Um, we had our tour guide was a legend in in the world. You may have not heard of him, but a lot of people have. 
His name was Dr. Wilbur Glenn Williams. He was basically Indiana Jones for Israel. He made 200-some trips. He had basically dual citizenship. And he's from the great city of Fairmount, Indiana. Mm. And he taught at Indiana Wesleyan, and he took me on that first trip. And he would straight up tell you whether what the tour guides were telling you was bullcrap or not. <laughs> and there were a couple places that were pretty cool. The road that leads up to the church of Gallicantu, which sits on top of Caiaphas's house. That's a road from the first century. Jesus walked on, possibly was dragged up that road. That's a solemn place. Yeah. You go down into the bottom of the church of Gallicantu, and there's the dungeon. Jesus was held in that dungeon. You can feel the ghosts move around down there, I'm telling you. Valley of the Law is bullcrap. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he told us, he said, you guys hear him dumping the stone? We're like, yeah, you're killing our mojo, Dr. Williams. <laughs> oh, man, that would, oh, man. That kind of puts me in mind, do you remember, did you watch, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond as a kid when you were younger. I watched enough of it to know what it was about. My mother loved that show. And there was an episode where he had a... I think it was either a Mickey Mantle or... I think it might have been a Mickey Mantle. Signed baseball. And for years, he just said, I've got a, you know, a signed Mickey Mantle baseball and all of that. And then come to find out, his dad had done it and it just loses all the allure and all he's heartbroken and all this and come to find I mean it's a real sappy thing I mean it works itself out and you know his dad was loved him enough that he wanted to at least give his son something he wanted like that that's just somebody who went off you know played with dynamite a couple days and you know before and I mean well, they cool. don't do a lot of dynamite there or somebody with a pickaxe but it took some effort but I mean, it's no, still, there's no doubt. It's like when we were digging at Dan and found a stop sign that had been set up by the Israeli military in 68. And the archaeologist pulls it out of the ground and goes, Hmm, I think I date this circa 1968. The uh, Six Days War, I suppose. Figure a pretty good time to date this. Yeah, the pottery matches up real good. So, every now and again, you just have to sit back and remember some of this is bullcrap. Well, yeah. You know. You're in Israel. You love the you love the allure. It really does have an aura about it. Oh sure. But at the same time, they're trying to make money. You got it. Yeah. This could be the Jesus fish. It's not it, the yeah. Jesus fish. The Jesus fish is long gone. But every now and again, you find a Roman road or a Roman building or an old Hebrew thing where you're like, "This is fairly authentic." Mm-hmm. You know, there's some things you walk in front of that Solomon had built. Yeah. You think how long ago that was. You're oh, talking man. three, four thousand years ago. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. When you walk in a building that Herod the Great engineered and was the architect of, and it's still standing after standing in the Rift Valley for 2,000 years, and it's still, it's fine. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you're in the time of Jesus when you yeah. walk into those things. So, But that rock, uh, that rock keeps me humble. <laughs> so, um, it's that time, folks, where uh, 
we take a look back over the Christmas holiday, and Matt's going to speak to us about Christmas movies. And I'm going to go out of the room and catch a water because I don't want to get stuff thrown at me this evening. Well, I'll come back eventually, nah. but um, if, if you haven't been tuning in, if this is your first time, I'm very cynical about Christmas things. I think there's a lot of repeat, and there's the, the lyrics for Christmas songs are so poorly written. I just don't understand it. Um, I read a, a book recently somebody gave me at my mother's house. Um, it was actually over the holiday. That was just a short little notebook about the first Noel. And I was given that to read because my mother knows I hate that song. And she loves to see me researching things that I hate because sometimes I might turn out to love them and she gets a kick out of that. <laughs> this was not one of those times. So... I did learn it was an old Cornish song. Wow. Beyond that, I kind of checked out. But Matt's going to talk to us. I am curious about this. I'll stick around and hear what he's got to say. We're going to talk about Christmas movies. We're taking Christmas movies off the rack and taking a look at them. We're going back to your early 2000s studio apartment, rack of DVDs, look at the Christmas movie. Matt, take it away. Well, I'll tell you what, Glenn. This is actually about exploring the aspect every week and the whole core of this podcast is to try and show that the pastor is first and foremost a person and with us being people i don't know any other i don't know any robots well bender i mean well yeah <laughs> but um you know i had somebody ask me like did you watch the uh you 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 and i have been one well not together but you've been keeping up with that new series, The Chosen, that's been that's come out. I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's a great it's a great Very series. Well Very well done. Um, it's got some humor in it. It keeps you engaged. But they came out with a Christmas uh, special on it, and I had a few people at church ask me, "Did you watch it yet?" I haven't. Um, but uh, and uh, <clears throat> I. Uh, we started looking, you know, they asked me, well, what Christmas movies have you been watching? And I said, well, you watch The Standard, you watch Elf, you watch The Polar Express. Did you see that the Bible was on the History Channel? No. The whole, like, thing they did, like, ten years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very British. I'm, uh, I'm well, not super into it. Well, it's super British. <laughs> you know, those are the Bible things I just can't stand when it's like, gold has sent us here. I'm like, could he have just sent you there? Yeah, I mean, instead of sent you there, well, it's a message from God. You gotta keep in, you gotta keep in mind they've lost against us twice. They gotta do something to show that they still have some superiority. Yeah, they, well, they're gonna be real surprised when they get to heaven and God's like, "Oh, geez, get in the truck. We're going up to the big house." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, I know, saying. I know. You're just saying. I know you're just saying. But. uh... You know, we you know for Christmas you always watch the. Excuse me, I'm getting caught up. Um, I have to explain. We had dinner before this, and uh, typically we don't try not to do that. But we still um, we press on. But I wanted to explore, kind of talk about you know what movies you know what else we watch. Uh, <clears throat> as with you know. With Christmas break and everything coming around and Christmas movies out, 
there are a lot of movies out that are that speak very much to the story of Christmas. Um, and there's a lot that speak to the other aspect of Christmas, which is, you know, the <coughs> excuse me, the season of giving and, you know, the spirit of Christmas and all that. And they said, well, what, what have you guys want? Have you guys been watching a lot of Christmas movies? Oh, yeah, you know. I've been watching a few of them because there's a few that my wife does not like to watch. Um, she said she doesn't understand them. And, or just doesn't like them. Whatever. But I said, you know, I, I watched Christmas Vacation the other night. Classic piece of cinema right there. Awesome film. And... Um, we, uh, they said, oh, okay, that's kind of, all right, yeah, oh, yeah, that's a good movie, good movie. I just didn't think, but you didn't think what? Friends, I'm going to tell you a little thing. We watch, we do watch movies that maybe are frowned upon or whatever in, in certain groups and everything. But at the heart of it, it's like when we talked about music earlier on in this season. We talked about how, um, you know, in our playlists, I mean, we've got everything from Jeremy Camp and, you know, Third Day and all these, Jer you know, uh, David Crowder. And then that we shift gears and we go to, um, you know, on my play, I've got like Green Day. I've got... Um, you know, Fallout Boy and all these others. You know, we've got Theory of a Dead Man and whatever on our playlists. And movies are the same way. And TV shows, if you want to lump them in. You know, Glenn and I, you'll hear us exchange, you know, comments back and forth from The Simpsons or Family Guy. Futurama. Just Futurama. Yeah, Futurama a few minutes ago. But... It's a simple fact that if we, for you know, to embrace the season, I guess, to look at every all the aspects of it, you know, I grew up watching Clark Griswold get up on a house, and for some stupid reason, take a nail gun, and staple or staple gun and staple lights to the shingles of his house, all in an effort to become the brightest house in the suburbs of Chicago. And, you know, of course, and then, of course, you know, you also watch A Christmas Story where Ralphie gets his BB gun. And I actually uh, have a little tie-in with that later on when we talk about uh, In the Farm Report. Um, but, at the heart of it, folks, we still, we still enjoy a good laugh. We enjoy things that are funny. I'm sorry. Is it, I mean, do we, but the thing about it is, we watch them, and we laugh at them, but we also have it in our heart that we know who our boss is. It's kind of hard to argue with him. However, if somebody comes up to me, and they say, hey, did you catch that last episode, or did you uh, watch Christmas Vacation last night? Yeah, I did. It was on TV. It was hilarious. Yeah, did you see, yeah. If that creates a dialogue for somebody and allows me to open a door to, to something, so be it. You know, we try to hammer on that as much as we can. 
Folks, we say it every week. Your pastor is a person too. You can talk to him about these things. Um, I also have in my notes, I want to get your opinion on this. It's been a, I don't remember this being an argument when I was a kid. Only in the last probably five to seven years has it become an argument. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I have no idea. I mean, it takes place on Christmas Eve. And I, Glenn, help me out here. I mean, do you think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yeah. I mean, not a lot beyond that. I mean, I mean, it takes place on Christmas Eve. And yeah, well, it's one of those. It is in Los Angeles, so it's not like it's. Snowy and well, it's not real. Yeah, but it is a younger Bruce Willis wreaking havoc on a criminal organization on Christmas Eve. I mean, short of having the big red man in it himself, what more could you ask for? I guess I had somebody lay it out, and I was I was talking about it with him, and he said, "Think about this way: if you take Christmas out of it." Does that movie happen? Well, no, but neither does Home Alone. Well, if you take Christmas out... matter, neither does It's a Wonderful Life or... Well, It's a Wonderful Life could stand on its own two legs a little bit. But, but Clarence... Uh, we're not... Oh, no. I want to live again. Whoa! Mm. What family guy on either? But, uh... <clears throat> But I mean, for those yeah. of you who couldn't see, Matt legitimately get upset with me there for a second. That wasn't what I was intending. That I, you know what? It, it's all good. It's no, all good. I don't, I don't think it is. I think you need to express yourself. So. You know what? I mean, I, 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 he got me all tongue-tied and all twisted up, boys and girls. Because uh, I'll tell you the truth. I, 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 Jimmy Stewart's one of my favorite people. He's one of my favorite actors. Mine too. Um. You know, looking back at him, he was a guy who not only was he a movie star, he was also a World War II veteran. And he, you know, he legitimately went out, he flew for him, and even after he got out of it, he stayed in the Air Force Reserves all the way up until like the 60s. Uh, retired, I think it was it Lieutenant Colonel of rank? I can't remember what it was now. I mean, he's one of those all American He's one of those guys you can legitimately like, because and I mean, they have his faults. Yeah, we all do. But, <clears throat> but I have tried to work on my Jimmy Stewart impression over the years. <clears throat> I thought I had a pretty good, a pretty good handle on it. And then I started this podcast with Mr. Glenn Davis, and we're going to leave it at that. So, but friends, yes, I mean. We we do kind of, we do embrace the whole idea of watching some of watching this kind of stuff be, uh, with other pe- you know talking about it with other people because one it allows us to connect with you and two it's funny I'm sorry I can't tell you how many times that Peter Griffin has made me laugh until I thought I was gonna throw up but we'll leave it at that friends if you want to talk to us about Christmas Vacation, Clark, you know, Clark's rant in the middle of it, which actually, 
I can do word for word. I won't do it on here because it does have a few uh, choice words in it. But uh, my that was my that's my dad's favorite movie. We watch it two or three times a year during Christmas. So you don't grow up in a house where you do that and not pick up a few things. So now we're going to move into random crap straight off the rack. This is where we talk about things with Glenn and kind of become, <clears throat> I'll just kind of explore the things that he sees in the world, as I do as well, in my segment later on in the show. Glenn, what do you have for us this week? Something about coffee in the church? What? Well, it's, it's become a big issue in my lifetime. Um, what do we do with coffee and the church? Some of the bigger churches got out in front of this, basically started their own Starbucks-style companies. And you can buy a coffee there, and you can go other places. You can buy a coffee and take it into the sanctuary. I've been on the supremely far other end of that, where at Indiana Wesleyan, if you caught someone with a coffee in chapel, you were to take it away from them and throw it away. So, you got to come down somewhere in the middle. So, this is... A big issue for me personally because I don't like coffee in church. I don't. I don't. I don't have such a need for coffee that I bring it to church. Um. I don't necessarily have. I. I will drink coffee. I like coffee to a point. It's not that. It's not that big of a deal for me that I think we have to incorporate it in a church. Now, if we get more people there, that's one thing. Yeah. But um, it's hard for me because I hate, and you know this about me, I hate being a fuddy-duddy. I hate fuddy-duddies. Mm-hmm. People who say, well, you can't do that in church. But as someone who's cleaned up at least three dozen coffee spills in his lifetime in a church aisle, on half hardwood, half carpet, <laughs> on pews, on chairs, I even uh, was responsible accidentally for a student getting put on probation for a semester. No. Because at Indiana Wesleyan, you were not allowed to take coffee in chapel. It was a big, big no-no. I remember that. Because uh, the janitorial services didn't want to clean it up. And the chaplain at the time, who I actually had a ton of respect for and really enjoyed as a teacher... Didn't want coffee in the sanctuary. So, there was a gal who came and got checked in, and she had her coffee with her, and I said, I can't have that coffee, I'm sorry. And she said, oh, and walked away and walked in with her coffee. And I mentioned um, to the chaplain, who will remain nameless, if you're around Indiana Wesleyan, you know who, you'll figure out pretty quick who it was. And he came walking by and he said, hey man, what's up? Something wrong? I said, yeah, old princess there in the front row there in the third section uh, kind of laughed me off that when I told her she couldn't take her coffee in. So she got a country style butt chewing mm-hmm. and was told not to do that anymore. 
the next chapel service. Chapel was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Old gal comes up and she kind of grimaces at me and I said, I didn't do it on purpose. He saw the whole thing. And she goes, yeah, whatever. And I checked her in and, you know, I always had this approach to Indiana Wesleyan that I'm not going to see any of these people ever again. I didn't care. Fair assumption. And I saw her open up her book bag and she pulled a coffee out of it. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, with all things considered, I just wouldn't feel right if I didn't bring that to someone's attention. So I called over the chaplain and I said, would you look at that? He said, did she laugh you off? I said, no, even better, she hid it in her bag. <laughs> oh, did she? So he walked back to another room, watched surveillance video. Oh, man. And escorted old gal out of chapel, coffee in hand, to his office. Where they had a friendly chat. And not only was she instructed to never bring a coffee into the chapel again. She had to come and apologize to the chapel checkers in person. Oh. To make sure that we knew that she knew she was wrong. Oh my. And I was just kind of sitting around going, what if I gotten myself into it? <laughs> So, it's always been a back and forth for me. I understand the necessity that some people like coffee. It's a good way to get them out of bed in the morning to come to church. I do think that you should be able to pick up your Starbucks and bring it into church. But there is another side to that argument where yeah. people say, well, it's disrespectful, which I'm not on board with. Or, well, you got to clean up the messes, which, yeah, I kind of get. But um, I'm curious as to what you think, because I'm kind of stuck in the middle where I think it's okay, mm -hmm. but a necessity? There's some people who say it is. So, what do you think about coffee in church? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in a church where they actually had, after sur in between services, they had a, a, a coffee bar. And at one point, when the budget allowed, they used to have donut holes at one point. Um, I, and as a person who has, you know, as you get into adult life, I'm a big coffee drinker. I drink it every day. Um, I don't make it at home as much as I used to. Now, since I, we've been off for Christmas break, I've broke out the, you know, the cowboy pot and made, you know, make a pot every day. Um, <clears throat> I shouldn't say every day, but, you know, pretty much a few times. And I it, I am one of those people, I gotta have it. I mean, whether I get it, you know, after church on Sunday and I stop and get a cup, at, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, I drink it a lot. I drink it in the evening if I can. At this point, it's more of a taste thing than anything. And it, black coffee is healthy. Excuse me. It's supposed to be healthy for it. Did you know that? I've heard that. <laughs> But before I got into ministry, off and on, if I woke up early enough, I would, you know, make a cup of coffee and take it with me and drink it during the service. Do I think it is a necessity? I mean, if you if you work a job where it demands that you have to have some have to have that kind of you know that kind of sustenance, 
and you do it on Saturday morning because you're off and you have time. And you have to, and you take it with you to church on Sunday. I'm not going to begrudge you that. I'm sorry. I'm not. Do I? I agree with you. I, I see the, the negative connotations with it. Yes, it can be a mess, especially if somebody's added cream, sugar, the whole shooting match with it. But, but I also see, like, if somebody just brings a Starbucks cup, they drink it, and they leave it in the pew or whatever. Okay, once or twice, but if it becomes a habitual thing, then you kind of got a problem. But, I, I, I really kind of, like I said, growing up in a church where coffee was pretty much, I mean, I grew up in a church where a lot of the guys, a lot of the people that were in there, a lot of the men, they retired out of like GM, Delco, Guide, Chrysler up in Newcastle, Ford in, in uh, you know, in Indianapolis. A lot of them were farmers. I mean, if we ain't drinking Mountain Dew at lunch, we're drinking coffee in the morning. I mean, that's just the way it goes. So, I, I agree with you to a point. I mean, if you legitimately do need it, Okay, that's fine. And I do agree with you. I mean, it is not a disrespect thing. I've heard that argument before, and it does not hold water with me. Absolutely not. The fact that, I mean, if what's separating a person from coming into the church is the fact that they cannot have a cup of coffee, something's kind of wrong here, folks. I'm kind of getting some... You know, some uh, Pharisee vibes a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong on, on claiming that. I don't but, think so. But, uh, fun, and actually, a fun story. You mentioned Indiana Wesleyan and the chapel. Mm-hmm. My wife went to Indiana Wesleyan a, year, a couple years after you did. And one day, I was taking her home. It was like for Christmas break, I think. She still had to go to chapel that after, that day. And she called me a couple days before and said, hey, if you want to bring me home, I appreciate it. Um, but I need to go to chapel. She, You're allowing like so many misses a school year. And she had used one. She was sick. And she said, I don't want to burn all these up, or, you know, before the first semester. Right. So she said, would you mind, would you want to come up, have breakfast with me, and then we can go to chapel? And I said, sure. And... Um, so, uh, I, we ate breakfast and I got my big old cup of coffee, got a to-go cup and everything. And we're walking through the thing. She showed me all this stuff. One of the first times I was up there and she was showing me, oh, here's the library. Here's this. Here's that. I don't, if you dropped me in the middle of Indiana Westland, I probably could not navigate to it. I could probably get to the student center or whatever it's called. It's pretty easy to find. I mean... But I could not tell you. Chapel's a little out of the way. Yeah. And I did not realize that it was that far out of the way from where we were. So I'm we're walking along. I'm taking sips of my coffee because it's pretty hot, you know. We get to the chapel, and she said, "You're gonna have to throw that away." I said, "What?" She's like, "You're gonna have to, you can't have any drinks in in chapel or anything. I'm like it's coffee." It's black coffee. It's not going to, I mean, it might stain, but it ain't going to do nothing. And I ain't going to spill it anyhow. It's coffee. 
you don't spill that. That's like spilling holy water to, to some people, you know. And she said, she's like, honey, you're going to have to throw it away. I'm sorry, or do something with it or chuck it. Well, me being the man that I am, I chugged that bad boy. Did it burn? Yes. Did I regret it? No. But I legit walked in, and um, she had a good friend of hers that she had met first day of freshman year, one of those college friends that you go through everything together. Still good friends to this day. It was in our wedding, even. And I nudged her, because she was a big coffee drinker, too. I knew that. And I said, are they serious about this whole you can't drink in chapel or anything? She said, yeah, it's kind of a lame rule. I was floored. But then again, I was floored by a lot of things at Indiana Westland. Every time I'd go up there to see her in her dorm, I had to give them my driver's license that they kept. And uh, I would, she, I met Christy met me at the truck. We walked up to it, up to her dorm. She said, oh, you got to go check in. Okay, well, that's fine. And they started asking me questions and say, who are you? you know, who are you? you know, why are you here? Whatever. And then they start saying, how long, uh, how long is your duration of visit going to be? I don't know. Till she gets tired? Till we go eat? Whatever. And she asked me, all right, I just need to see your driver's license. I'm thinking, okay, they're going to take down my, my information, driver's license number, whatever. And they break out this binder. Put it in, and then she takes my driver's license and sticks it in one of the little... It was basically like the, you know, the pages you used to get for like baseball cards and stuff. She would get that, slid it in there and said, all right, you'll get this back when you guys leave. Well, like seriously? And Chris said, yeah, come on, honey. You know, come on, let's go. So needless to say, I was kind of like, all right, if people ask me to see my ID, I don't know what I'm going to do here. Fort Knox is easier to get into than a dorm room at Indiana Wesleyan, but I'll leave it at that. I know it. So, we'll leave it at that. But I agree with you a little bit. Coffee in church is kind of a conundrum. Am I going to begrudge somebody because they bring their steaming cup of joe? Absolutely not. Am I going to ask if they be careful with it? Absolutely. Is it Should it be the only reason they come to church? Well, you got them there. Well, I mean, that, that's kind of one of those things. I mean, if they're coming, it's like, I love the coffee. Eventually, they're going to, that coffee, I'm, I'm sorry to say, it's made in them great big pots. I mean, it's not exactly the greatest tasting cup, but eventually, hopefully, what's coming from the pulpit's going to start rubbing off on them a little bit. But, yep. So, we're going to move on to the farm report from the second worst farmer in the state. We're looking at you, Harry. <clears throat> you know, Harry... Uh, I don't know if you listen to these. I don't know if you listen to anything I've ever said. But i got to tell you something. <clears throat> we are still in the Christmas season. I understand that. Forgiveness and all that jazz. Harry, I know what you did. You know what you did. I'm still waiting on an apology. You started to, I think you did a couple weeks ago when you pulled into the drive and asked me a random question. I think you're starting to see that maybe things aren't exactly the way you saw them. And I'm right. And I wait for the day that it is. But 
<clears throat> last uh, on our, uh, I can't remember if it was our Christmas episode or the episode before that, but uh, we talked about gifts that you can give a farmer. This year, I got probably the best gift that you can receive as a farmer. I got new insulated biv overalls. Oh, I put them bad boys on. They were comfy. They fit right. Oh, <coughs> excuse me. And they were superb. And I asked for them. I put them on my Christmas list. I actually asked for a pair in black. Because the thing about it is, the black black ones are what the young guys wear. It's what the young farmers wear, you know. The old guys, they still wear the old tan ones, mm -hmm. you know. Um, <clears throat> so, got that. Of course, I got my farm toys. Got a couple of toy tractors and everything. Don't judge. Don't laugh. I know I'm still, I know I'm almost 30. And I know that I act like a big kid sometimes. I don't care. They're cool. I like having them. Although I am running out of space in, in my office for them. So either we're going to have to get a bigger house or... No, I ain't selling them. We're going to have to get a bigger house. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I it was enjoyable. Uh, I loved it. Loved every gift I got. And also a little bit of a touch on what we talked about. What I went off on. The classic Schwarzenegger holiday blockbuster. Jingle all the way. Uh, there is a company out there called Funko. Not a sponsor yet. Um, that has this year released an exclusive 13 and a half inch tall Turbo Man action figure. I got a little bit of Christmas money given to me by my grandmother, as I have for years. And I purchased said Turbo Man. It is on its way here. I'm excited. I know I made fun of the movie, but I also want a Turbo Man. Yeah. But uh, as far as other aspects of, of farming and in, farming, crop, you know, the grain guys, crop guys, I hope you're staying warm. Livestock guys, you made sure your, your heaters are plugged in. That's all I'm going to say. If you hear this and you and you got to think about it, might be time to go check that water tank, boys. So now we're going to move on to what our wives have to look forward to. This is the episode, uh, part of the episode where we look at what Miss Lauren Davis has to look forward to in her continuance of life with Pastor Glenn Davis, who, uh, who fortunately is becoming more and more like his own father. Glenn, take us there. All right, so... When I was about 12 years old, I could breach the pedals pretty easy. My dad decided to start teaching me how to drive. A lot of people over the years have said they wondered how this went. Because my dad and I, when we were working on things together, we did not have a very cordial relationship. I did not learn a lot from him. I know I've joked on in the past that I learned how to hold a light and get yelled at, mm -hmm. which is accurate. And um, this was no different. So I became a very good driver under the tutelage of my dad, but also with a lot of practice. And my dad would make me angry, and it would get me to do things. 
And one of the things that's become a pet peeve now in my teaching other people how to drive, and something I insist that they take very seriously, is not babying it mm-hmm. when you're turning a corner, when you're making a U-turn, whatever. Get on it and move. Get out of there, yep. So, I learned that on a fateful day. Coming out of the Burger King in South Marion at the age of 15 years old. I had my permit. And I had never driven on the busy Marion Bypass, State Road 9. If you go by the Burger King someday, you will see it is a very busy little thoroughfare. It's right across the street from the cemetery. There's a Culver's there. It's near Marion High School. There's a lot of traffic. I came up. We had gotten our food. We'd eaten. I used to love Burger King. I unfortunately have to admit I don't anymore. The food is just not the quality it used to be. It used to be when you went to Burger King, I can remember a day. You went to Burger King, that was kind of high society a yeah, little bit. Trait, it was a yeah. way different than mm-hmm. it is now. And we were leaving, and my dad said, you want to drive home? And I said, yeah, I always took opportunity to drive you know, you're going to talk in a little bit about stuff you don't understand. I don't know why kids don't want to drive. There's so many kids that don't I, want to drive. Know. I don't get it. It's the going trim nowadays. It was freedom, man. So I said yes, and I pulled up to the corner, and it was very busy. Very busy, and we're in a Geo Metro circa 1991. Oh, man. So it's 2000, 2001 time frame. And I was sitting there. I was sitting there, sitting there some more, traffic going by. And I thought to myself, maybe I should go turn right and go through, because it was a double lane. I'll go on the other side and go out the back and go out the back way home. It was a good plan. Yeah, yeah, solid. However, my father got the fear And the question of what I was going to do right out of me with one simple phrase. He just knew how to push the right buttons with Kyle and I. He turns. He looks me square in the eye. And says, oh, I didn't realize I was raising a freaking pansy. (laughs) I looked him square in the face. I put my foot to the floorboard of that geo. It was a geo, so it took about seven seconds mm-hmm. to react. And when it did, I squealed around that corner on two tires, Ooh. sliding into the southbound lane, heading towards Fowlerton, with my dad in my lap holding on to the oh crap bar. <laughs> and I leveled her out, and I hit, and I mean, I hit the bricks, and I was flying along, and he said, you could slow down any time. I said, yeah, and you shut up about any time. <laughs> Pansy? <laughs> he said, you went, didn't you? <laughs> so, so uh, Lauren, I apologize for, for my parenting and child-rearing skills. Um, they will be of questionable nature, though I can probably insist. Our ch- children will, will learn how to do things one way or the other. So, there you go. That's one of my favorites. Just, where are you, some kind of pansy? I mean, I didn't even look to see if anybody was coming. Oh my I'm sure God. I cut oh, yeah. off all four lanes. 
Heck with it. Nobody hits you, you're fine. Cop didn't see it, I didn't do it. So, now's the time when we talk about the kids. Um, I don't have children per se. I have cats and a dog. And We took Ace up a fair amount for Christmas this year. Uh, we have a tradition in our family that I started about 20 years ago where we get Chinese food. And no Chinese places really have indoors right now eating. So we picked up to go, and Asa got himself a real treat. He got to eat carrots. Oh, man. He got to eat General So's chicken out of my dad's plate. Uh, we always enjoy taking home there to dad's because there's always a new experience for Asa. It was a little sad. Some of you may know my dad's dog, Ted, died um, this year, and Asa and Ted were buddies. And Asa did go looking for him, and he couldn't find him, and that was a little sad, but... Um, it brought Dad some joy to have a dog in the house, and so he served his purpose. The cats were having conga lines while he was gone because they can't stand him. Just running around, meow, 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 meow. Matt, I can't bet you can't wait to talk about how Lorraine do with Christmas. I'll tell you what, Glenn. I loved every minute of Christmas morning. I should probably back up. A little bit. So for so Christmas Eve, we had our Christmas Eve service, which we'll I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but we get home at about midnight, and I still have some gift. Well, I shouldn't say Santa Claus had a little bit of gift wrapping to do that night. Uh, he had put it off to the very last moment, and so I'm gift wrapping and gift wrapping and gift wrapping. And I look, I finished the last gift. Excuse me. It is three forty-five in the morning. So. I go to bed, and at 7 o'clock on the nose, guess who wakes up? Lorraine. We get up, and we go do her Santa Claus gift. Um, and we go through that whole excitement. She loved every minute of it. Um, and then, of course, my dad and sister and grandmother came, granny came over, and we start diving into the, the bacchanalia that is the season. And... Uh, just, she got, I don't know how many gifts she had, but she, it seemed like she was unwrapping for an hour. Um, but she legitimately had, I don't know how many pieces of wrapping paper tore all around. But she legitimately loved every gift she got. But she was also a kid, so she'd open one, look at it, think it was so cool, and then she was on the next one, and to the next one, and to the next one. Loved every minute of it, and I know it's only going to go up from here. Um, so I'm excited about it. So now we're going to move on to commercials that, I don't know if we're still on the ones that tick Glenn off or if we're still on the ones that Glenn likes. I'm a little curious. And about a particular Mexican fast food restaurant. Glenn, I'm on pins and needles for this one. It's adorable that you say Mexican restaurant. Taco Bell is about as American as apple pie. Um, oh, Bell, you know, nachos Bell Grande, you know. Taco Bell has been good for, for decent commercials for quite some time. Going back to the Chihuahua, Yo Quiero Taco Bell, oh, yeah. and uh, Fourth Meal, which they, ma- they made up a new term for us uh, plus-size gentlemen. Mm. And um, um, 
large, large sized carnivores, I believe John Bennett would have yeah. called us. Large, large mammals. Mm-hmm. And um, most recently, they've begun a series of commercials that I am enjoying the daylights out of. And they're the ones where people are finding true love and they hear the bell and they walk away from it to go get them a taco. Have you seen these? I haven't seen these, no. So the first one is, there's I, legitimately, I didn't know what they were selling. And it took me two or three times to catch on. Um, there's this couple, they meet in like a little guitar group at the beach at night around a fire. And they run off by themselves and they're making out in the waves. And then a buoy falls over and you're dong. And she pushes him off and goes to Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was another one where these two nerds are dressed up for like a, uh, I'm not sure if it's a Dungeons and Dragons or a role playing thing, but they're dressed up as elves or some such nonsense. And they kind of like, oh, look, I'm dressed up, you're dressed up. And the girl starts to walk over towards the guy and her shield hits the trash can. You're dong. And she straight goes to Taco Bell. So. Um, I'm enjoying thoroughly Taco Bell implying that you can have time to ruin your life with a relationship down the road. Instead, go get you a taco. I'm having a good time with that. I, mean, so, I can't wait to see the next one. And it took me three or four times where, you know, it, the first one was so passionate. Like, I thought yeah. they were, I thought, I didn't know if, like, Chris Isaac was, like, coming out of retirement, oh, you know, or... You know, if they were putting out a new uh, Michael Bolton thing or what the new clone ad or something. But yeah. then you're dong, and I was like, this is Taco Bell. <laughs> that girl walks in half naked to get her a taco. <laughs> well done, Taco Bell. Well, have you, well have, done. You've heard that Taco Bell is bringing back a popular menu item. You've heard this, haven't you? Oh, it depends on which one you're talking about. Well, it's one that apparently people were like raising a fuss about. I can honestly count on one hand how many times I had it. Apparently, they are bringing back the Mexican pizza. That'll make a lot of dreams come true. Yeah, I know. What well, I tell you, what I mean. It, I mean, we're going into 2022 with excitement now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well done, Taco Bell. I have thoroughly enjoyed those. Can't wait to see some more of those. See, I'm not all bad. No. No, I mean, just every once in a while. The first, you know, six, seven episodes of this Mm -hmm. show. We'll get back to it. I've got some scores to settle. (laughs) Um, So I'm I'm actually going to start a new topic here since Matt went off script earlier. I'll go ahead and do so. Um, I think we're going to retire words and passages that liturgists should never read. A fun topic for me, but uh, it's getting to the point where it's going to require a lot of explanation to explain yeah. mm-hmm. why I shouldn't at this point, why you shouldn't read certain things. Uh, so I'm going to switch it to what's new in the lectionary, where I look at, you know, thing holidays coming up in the Christian calendar and different times of the year we celebrate. And um, I'm going to start... Uh, this section with uh, something I saw on Facebook earlier when we were just starting to record. Um, so we are still, if you're keeping track at home, we are still in just coming out of the fifth week of Advent. Mm-hmm. And we are not even technically, according to the church, out of the Christmas season as we sit here. We are coming up on Epiphany 
which is kind of the celebration of Peter realizing Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And then we will start moving towards um, Easter with different things in Easter and Ash Wednesday. And, you know, we're getting up on that season. Which brings me to my point tonight. We are literally, as we sit here, in the fifth Sunday of Advent. If I see one more countdown <laughs> to next year's Christmas, oh, I'm going to punch somebody right in the throat and bust your freaking Adam's apple. I literally, as we were sitting here, saw a meme that said 364 days to next Christmas. I will come to your house and I will stab you. Come and on. then I will stomp on your driveway. I will... I will Evacuate things on I'm your not, flowers. Come on now. I mean, it's it's a it's a Christmas season. People love it. It's exciting. That's the whole idea, Glenn. It's three hundred sixty-four days away, and we have to celebrate Easter. Well, that is true. Because you know, Christmas is very important. But without Easter, we're all still screwed. Yeah, so, um, okay, all right, all right. I I don't I don't want to hear it. I'm, I I live with someone who would probably be upset with me on this, but at the same time, she also likes Easter. And she would be offended right now that someone said it's 364 days to Christmas. Get back to us in July when Hobby Lobby openly accepts that it's the Christmas season. And we can talk about it. It's 364 days till next Christmas, exactly. Shut up. Stop it. Leave your Christmas lights up. Just leave me alone. Well, That's what my dad does. Well, yeah. His Christmas lights stay. He didn't take his Christmas lights down since 1998. Okay, it's 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 okay, <laughs> but I don't want to hear it. And we are entering Epiphany season, and then we will be moving towards Ash Wednesday and Lent. You've got to have your two for four fish deal at McDonald's. You've got to have. Your 40 days of people trying not to eat chocolate or chew gum and failing miserably. Before we start talking about Christmas. That's all I'm saying. Oh, We're not even out of this Christmas. We're that's not, what I'm saying. No. That's and that, that's the kind of thing. I mean, people people like holding on to Christmas because of the feeling that you have in the season. I'm one of those people. Let, let me let me get real for a second here. Cause get real. Get real. My my friend Elijah may very well be listening to this. Elijah McKnight. Mm. Uh, one of those college friends of mine. Um, he is Greek Orthodox. His Christmas is January 7th. He ain't even celebrated this Christmas yet. Shut up. Shut up. What? That's all I'm saying. We're going to get a lot of hate mail on this. It's fine because if people want to get ready for next no, no, Christmas. No, no, no. I, you don't, no, no, no. You say it's fine. I'm the guy who has to handle all this. I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell the government. If you stop, you won't have to worry about it no more. <laughs> I mean... It's, Throwing it out there. Okay, all right, all right. So It's not going to be like that every time, but I was going to talk about epiphany and what it meant. But then I saw somebody put up, it's 364 days till next Christmas. I'm like, as we sit here, it's literally not not this year's Christmas yet. So At the time of this recording, we're recording a little bit later than we usually do. Um... We are ex- almost. We are just a shade over twenty four hours after Christmas has ended. 
Christmas Day, not Christmas, Christmas Day. season. Christmas Day, yes. Not season. Not season, no. But we are legitimately 24 hours after Christmas Day has Western ended. Christmas. Yes. Eastern Orthodox Christmas. It's January 7th. Well, that's... Yeah. I mean, there hey, are... Hey, w- I wouldn't bring it up except to know somebody who does it. I know, I know, I know. <sighs> we'll leave it at that. I'll tell you Isn't what. Isn't that the whole idea? You know what? I'm, I'm going <laughs> to tell you what the whole idea is on this deal, Glenn. Oh... I'm all ears. Oh, man. Plus, you always are. Plus, I want to hear about uh, Cowboys with Joggers. So, uh, Matt's going to now talk about stuff he doesn't understand. Cowboys with Joggers, if he can compose himself. Because I have clearly touched a nerve for bad-mouthing someone who is planning next year's Christmas 364 days in advance. That's like having your birthday, Matt. And the next day going, you know what I want for my birthday next year? Turbo Man. Take her away! Just easy, easy. <laughs> I, get, I get yelled at because I'm a 30-year-old man and I still I want an action figure. I don't care. First of all, I think it's boss. I th- it, 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 I mean, I'll tell you what. When I when it comes in, it's going to be the mascot for this show from now on. <laughs> Absolutely. Every, so. every time we do this, it's, it's not coming out of the box. You know when they do that character art thing, we should put Al Bundy and Turbo Man together. Oh, that that's the oh yes. Two oh, guys that happen to be pastors. One's Turbo Man, one's Al Bundy. I think we just created something, Glenn. Something beautiful. I'm not sure if it's a thing or not, but it's a thing. It's a thing, yes. I mean, it's they're going to be our mascots. They're going to be at the end of the table, watching over us as we do this show. Absolutely. Okay, so as Glenn, has, Glenn and I have mentioned a couple times, we hang out quite a bit, um, you know. And typically when you hang out for hours upon end, we're two uh, full-figured fellows, and we like to go have, you know, go, go grab a bite to eat somewhere. Last week, we dined at one of our favorite establishments, and Jim Cornette, if you ever get to hear this, we salute you, sir, and we honor you. Honored you last week by enjoying a meal at the Waffle House. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, some of the best food you'll ever get, and really not bad priced either. Let me tell you, for eight bucks you get nine bucks. I realize they've raised their prices. The All Star breakfast used to be like seven and a quarter. Now it's like eight fifty. Everybody's raising their prices, brother. You know it's hard times when the Waffle House is raising prices. Tell you what, but we were sitting there, we were eating, and we were kind of halfway done with our meal, and this group of like, you know, they were probably high school, if not out of high school early age kids, early age, college kids, sitting, they kind of sat up there on the round stools at the bar. Felt like a trade school group. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, they pulled up in this, it was a 20, like a 2020, 2021 F-150, all jacked up, had lights on it. Had more chicken lights on it than a livestock hauler on I-70. And it was one of these huge credit-destroying machines that you buy when you first get out and you go into the Ford dealership and they say, yeah, sure, we'll give you anything you want. And then you spend 30 years paying off a truck that's going to be, you know, junk and tin. So, I'm looking over at these kids, and a couple of them had jackets that were like, 
uh, Indiana High School Rodeo Association, a few other, you know, Indiana Equestrian Society, whatever. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, they're cowboy kids, whatever. And they had t-shirts, all right, whatever. And I get to the pants, Glenn. You know how I am with pants. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that everybody. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not a communist. I don't. I believe whatever you want to wear, you can wear. I don't make fun of you for wearing cargo shorts and Crocs in December, but you do it. These 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 folks here, the men, were wearing these. Have you seen these jogger sweatpants? Mm-hmm. <coughs> oh, I know. I mean, they they're like tapered. You can hear the whoosh. Oh. I mean, it legitimately looked like if Michael Jordan and Lane Frost were, you know, they they would have had a baby. Google that, kids. Yeah, Google. I mean, okay, that's <laughs> Both kind, of them that is a point. that is a very dated reference, I should say. If you're under the age of mm, twenty, even twenty five, Google Michael Jordan. Uh, I'll help you. Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. Yeah, because you could get Michael B. Jordan. You could get Michael B. Jordan. It's not him. It's the good. It's the famous basketball player, Michael Jordan. And then also Google Lane Frost, probably one of the best bull riders that ever graced the sport in the late 80s, uh, mid-late 80s, early 90s. I see these kids wearing this, and I'm thinking, okay, what, what is, what are those pants? What is this? Okay, here's the thing. I had somebody deliver, try to like yell at me, you know, try to say, well, you know, if you're a cowboy, you got to be ready to go at all times, and I agree with that a little bit. I mean, as a farmer, I'm ready to go wherever. <clears throat> I don't care if I'm wearing my Sunday best. If they're, if I've got cattle out or something, or if they need work or whatever, I'm gonna take my jacket off and. I usually carry a extra sweatshirt in the truck or whatever, throw it on, and go go to work. But it's one of those and this is what happens in Indiana when you try to be an Indiana cowboy. You want all the prestige and you want to look the part up until you get to the point where you're supposed to have the jeans with the buckle and the boot and the boots. And it wasn't the fact they weren't even wearing tennis shoes. They were sporting a shoe that I've talked about on this show before that I don't understand on other aspects. You are you and a few others are the exception. Crocs. Friends, I'm not trying to say that everybody should dress the same or dress like me, even though I know my clothing uh, clothing options are pretty they're pretty much legit, let me tell you. I I, I I don't understand I don't understand this. And I'm sure if you were to go out to Oklahoma or as Glenn and I and Glenn's wife uh, appreciate as well as many other people out there, if you were to be dropped on the Yellowstone Dutton Ranch wearing that get up, I do believe old John would have something to say about you. And I believe everybody else would probably just start poking fun at you until you changed them. So I, I don't I don't understand it. I, I don't. I never understood the joggers to begin with. But when you couple it, like... And I think, didn't one of those kids have a cowboy hat on? Uh-huh. I... 
again, you want to be Lane Frost, but you also want to be, what's a rapper name? What is it? Po- is it Post Malone? Is that a rapper now, I think? Lauren's got Post Malone Crocs at home. Oh, that's Lauren. <laughs> um, it's like they want, like I said, they want to be John Dutton. They want to be Rip Wheeler. But they also want to be Easy Money or Post Malone or Drake. I do know. I remember Drake. I remember Nelly from my childhood. They're still around. They're still around. They're not cranking out the tunes like they were. It's getting hot in here and all that. You know, or my personal favorite. I don't know why, but this played at every dance I went to, and I always wanted to dance with a girl to it. The classic song, Yeah, by Usher. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I put that on the truck every once in a while and just just go to town. Just go to town, and I can sing it. I mean, I can even do the. I'll, I'll tell you what, I think that your little humming job there should probably be the intro music for this podcast. Oh, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We're we're making big changes here, folks. Be pastors. Ooh, ooh, hang on, hang on. Now we might be onto something there. I don't know. Probably have to get someone a little bit more angelic. A little bit. I don't know. Maybe we can we can sweet talk somebody on that deal. We don't want anybody hitting the skip 10 seconds button. That's pretty, yeah, that's kind of fast over 10. Fast over 10. How long is this intro? But I don't, I don't understand it. I don't. Maybe I'm just too old, or maybe I'm... They want to be recognized, but they want to be Buy a pair, buy loose fitting jeans. I don't know. I mean, you can be comfortable and still, if you want to look like that, look like that. But go the whole mile. It's like the classic Ron Swanson quote. I'll clean it up for this. Never whole, never half butt two things. Whole butt one thing. If you're out there listening and you are this kind of, if you're this character. Just know that I don't understand you. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to talk to you. But, just know, if I keep looking at your pants, there's a reason why. So now we move on to, in other news, at Eastern Hancock or Morristown. Uh, Glenn, are you, you going to be teaching at Morristown after the first year? Or? I'll be back to subbing at a number of places. Well, alright. So you're, you're, bouncing the, you're bouncing around a little bit. This is the section of the show where, as we've mentioned, we both work in education, or the school systems, rather. Glenn teaches them. I haul them in as a bus driver. And, you know, we know that the football, the basketball teams, they get the ink in the paper. Uh, But we need to look, but we also want to look at the things that are going on inside of the school, um, the things that maybe don't get recognition, but honestly should. Because these are the things that define the character of the school corporation, of the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, for the, the staff there, of how they want to, you know, educate and guide these young minds. And Glenn, what do you have for us on that? Well, I'll, I'll be brief. I know our time is growing short here, and... Um, very simply, the administrators at any school catch a lot of garbage, particularly now with the mask or no mask and the mm-hmm. vaccine mandates, no vaccine mandates. We blame a lot of stuff on the school, but I'm here to tell you about some administrators and some faculty and some staff 
that are making all the difference in the world and never asking for recognition, but I have this platform, so I'm going to give it to them. Um, there have been children who have been brought to school um, unwashed, unkempt, uncared for, neglected. And one such student was in a class that I helped with as an instructional assistant last year. And, and this poor, poor child, no one paid much attention to him at home. Uh, they came in rather unkempt, but the kid was very, very intelligent and was legitimately trying to behave and make good on things. And there were a few days, well, maybe a quarter of the way through the school year, maybe nine, ten weeks in, we started noticing that this child was very late to class every day so I was in there first kind of first thing in the morning and I would go and look for this child because even the teacher didn't really know where they were we knew where they were in the building because the kids said they had seen them well I found out that even unbeknownst to the teacher that they did not want people to know about this I found out kind of by accident when I went down to ask can we make sure we're just worried about is, are they missing? Are they... Well, it turned out that they were going down. And if you know the names and know who these people are, I'm going to withhold them because I don't know that they would want me to say them. But if you know who these people are, you can take it to heart. The counselor, the nurse, and occasionally the principal were bringing this kid down, putting different clothes on them, washing their hair, helping them to get themselves cleaned up, and they would come to class the way that most parents would consider acceptable. Mm -hmm. They called it the salon. Mm. They take them down to the salon. Um, and I've said the last couple of weeks, I've kind of bragged on, everybody knows the principal's Amanda, Amanda Pyle. Um, our administrators, our principals, have caught in a lot of garbage the last couple of years. 99.5% of it is not their fault. And sometimes there's there those people do things that you don't see. In fact, I guarantee they're doing things that I still don't know about because of what I've seen them doing. So my, um, my view of the administrators at that school changed a lot when I learned that. Mm-hmm. And I have a newfound respect for them. So um, my hat's off to the administrators at Eastern Hancock Elementary because they are making those kids able to fit in. Mm -hmm. They're making those kids feel loved and appreciated. And there is, I don't believe, any better lesson you could teach a kid than that they matter. So the next time you're tempted to go in and go off, and I know sometimes there's reason to do that, mm -hmm. just remember that that administrator you're going off on or that secretary that you're going off on or that counselor that you're going off on may very well have got down and danced with the devil that morning. So just you can be a little kinder. Just know that they are really trying and it's never going to get talked about. And there's a lot of people who have unfavorable feelings that will doubt this, that may not buy it. I promise you I've seen it with my own eyes. 
they are making these kids feel like they matter, and that's something you're never going to see in the paper, but should be known. Exactly. Yep. So my hat's off to you guys. Um, you know who you are, and um, I appreciate some of the things that I've seen there. You know, not everything is glitzy and hunky dory, but um, there's some good stuff mm-hmm. going on there. So. Uh, we're going to go on at what's in the pastor's pocket. This will be probably the fastest segment I've ever had. <laughs> I'm on vacation. Oh, man. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I'm going to do a um, wandering tomorrow, Wednesday wandering, my weekly little deal, Bible study podcast thing. And I will probably tell a good story. And illustrate it with the Bible verse. Do that tomorrow, and then I've got to run a hand up for a f- ham up for a funeral dinner up at Fowlerton. Unfortunately, the lady who played piano at Fowlerton um, for many many years, and um, we didn't always have the best run-ins, but she was always a staple at that church. Uh, she passed away this week, so oh. I've got to run a a ham up there um, that one of our church members graciously donated that they didn't need. Um, so really beyond, and I'm not even sure what story I'm going to tell yet and illustrate, but, um, I'm not even sure what wondering I'm going to use. I'm just going to do it tomorrow and move on. So, uh, I will say that, uh, we completed a huge project downstairs in our youth room. Um, we got one, our walls, our drywalls painted and, um, a big shout out to Gracie Coleman and her, and her mom and stepdad for giving us the time with her and, um. I gave her a little cash to to spend for doing that for us, and um, it, it looks very professional for a seventh grader. So um, I mean, I, I've seen the pictures. I've had a chance to see it in person, but I mean, it does look very nice. I mean, she it looks does. Slick. She yeah. does a very good job. It's not too over the top that the kids don't feel like it's theirs, but it's also not amateurish. Yeah, it's very it professional. Yeah. So, um, props to her. What's on your docket and in your pocket for the coming week? Well, I'm going to tell you what, Glenn. As I mentioned, this past week I have been on pins and needles because I opened my big mouth earlier in the month and said, let's have a Christmas Eve service, a candlelight Christmas Eve service at 11 o'clock at night. And being that this was my first Christmas Eve that I was going to be preaching, I asked, <clears throat> I, 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 continual, I was in continual prayer all week, just, God, let this please work. God, please, even if only five people show up, just allow your word to speak that night. Allow this to be that moment that we all seek. So in the course of that, I was working on this and everything, and I had a few things, um, I had a few ideas rattling around, and I kept thinking, well, okay, I I can preach on this on Sunday, I can preach on this on Sunday. So I get to Christmas Eve, at Christmas Eve service, well, very well attended. For our congregation size, we had about 45 people show up. That is insane, and for the first year to do something, it was very well received. (coughs) Excuse me. Very well received. And then I get up, and then, in a panic, I think, oh, 
I kind of need to finalize the sermon for Sunday on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Uh, and I never sleep on Saturday night, Sunday mornings anyways. I usually go to bed. I mean, I, I'll i sleep on like the couch or something. Because typically I want to get up, kind of want to bust through my sermon a little bit earlier in the morning. Kind of practice it a little bit more. If there's things that I've thought of, I want to add to the sermon. You know, that's the time I do it. You know, because I'll write it through the week and then kind of uh, finalize it and make sure everything's good on Sunday morning. Well, so this morning I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning and wrote my sermon. It was something I kind of had in the chamber, but I had to flesh it out, see how it all went and everything. And I'll tell you what. It was, it was one of those, it, it truly was a God thing, because I gave, it was a great sermon, uh, well, very, again, very well received, about peace and hope of the season, and the peace that comes to us, um, <clears throat> in, the, in the fact, in the knowledge that we are, that with this birth, with the birth of the Savior, and the sacrifice that he would go on to make for for us for our for the forgiveness of our sins, that should fill us with peace, you know, in the fact that we don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to wonder about that. It also gives us hope for the ideas that even though we may mess up, we still are offered salvation through That's Jesus, right. and. Um, you know, very nice little, I mean, it was kind of a shorter sermon, but it was still, um, you know, it, it was very much a God thing this morning. Next week, um, we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about new beginnings. It will be the beginning of the new year. Um, so typically I try to, you know, last year I actually had an opportunity to preach uh, the first Christmas after the new year. And talk about kind of how, you know, we're coming out of this season and remembering these things and keeping them uh, with us, but also about the fact of taking everything that we've gone through the year previous and looking at what's worked, what hasn't worked, and making those changes to go forth. Everybody always makes New Year's resolutions. Well, why can't we? Why can't that extend further? into our lives with um, with God and with our faith and uh, just really exploring that whole aspect and creating a resolution that one, uh, makes sense and two, one that you can follow, one that you can actually legitimately keep the entire year. So that's what's in my, uh, in my on the docket this week for me. So... Well, folks, I believe this clean, that's going to clean up our episode for this week. Uh, we sincerely hope that each of you had a very Merry Christmas. Um, hopefully you had a chance to listen to our Christmas episode. Um, you know, as we go forth from this season, I sincerely hope, as I preached on this morning, I really hope that you allow the peace and the hope of the season that we have just gone through Allow it to creep into your heart and stay there. Um, allow it to kind of infiltrate your heart and, and make a change in it. Remember that 
with the birth of the Savior comes the hope that we have somebody who is going to die, who would die for our sins and allow that to fill us with peace that we don't have to wonder anymore. We don't have to worry anymore about that. When we accept him as our Savior, that is when that peace can come to us. So, friends, that's my sign-off for you this week. And, Glenn, you're going to take us out just as always. May the warmth and spirit of this season follow you every day in the coming year. And may God himself truly bless you and make his presence known to you as we enter 2022, which I cannot promise will be better than 2021. It's a matter of perspective anyway. But what I can promise you is if you want the Lord to walk through it with you, it will be quite a bit easier. Good night, Lindy and Kessid. Good afternoon, Vladivostok, where it is at this moment, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Good night. So long, folks. Evening. Good night, everybody. <laughs>